Today we are continuing our series called Influencers. I am so stoked about this series. Kicked it off last week with uh, Bob Green, who's become a mentor of mine. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. And every week I'm going to have these different men who have been coaches and mentors and friends and have had an incredible influence on my life. That's what this series is about. And I basically what I want you to do, I want you to be able to like sitting down at the table like I've sat down with, at the table with these men and just learned from them. And I thought, why would I just hold on to this? I want you to hear from them as well. And so the, today it's Brad Sprague, uh, of course, a, a coach, a mentor, and friend because he has. We share the same name. I've never asked you this. Is your name Bradley? Is your real it name? It is Bradley. Yes. yes so is what? Well, there you go. <laughs> and uh, we didn't. Uh, we color coordinated our shirts, which yeah. is very awkward. But I don't know why. Every time I have a guest speaker, I don't say, "Hey, I'm wearing a blue button-down shirt." <laughs> but this has happened twice. Now. I thought maybe you're colorblind, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad and I. Uh, met about 12 years ago mm -hmm. in a pastor's group. And, and I, I'm, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But first, um, Brad, tell them about your ministry. Tell them what, what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, actually, I do missions full time and I'm part of a team in South Africa. And so, literally, I have the privilege of coaching and training leaders all over the world. Uh, currently, well, I just finished working with a group in Singapore, uh, disciple-making movement leaders, and currently have a group in Ukraine and that I am taking through this discovery process called FOCUS, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But then locally, we, we work, the church we're part of is City Church, and uh, my wife and I asked a question a couple of years ago, and it was this. Where have we experienced the greatest level of brokenness in our life? Because I believe that the places God wants to use us most powerfully are in places of brokenness. And I think the pain and the brokenness in our life is often mm -hmm. the indicator of who we're supposed to work with. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I, we've been married 42 years, and, um, but we've had a lot of struggles, a lot of pain in our marriage. And so as we sat in a park and prayed and said, Lord, what do you want us to do? It was helping younger couples that know they're broken find health, mm -hmm. healing, and hope to their marriages. And um, so that's a piece. We have a, what's called a marriage mentors. And uh, wow, it's, it's been pretty incredible. And I'll talk about some of the principles because it's not so much about my wife and I, but it's the dynamic. It's how people change and grow best. And then, um, and then I help people that are in transition um, that are needing to figure out, you know, something's ended, uh, but I don't know what the new beginning looks like. Right. So. Yeah, that's where you really, you, our lives intersected when I didn't even realize. I was didn't know I was going to be going into a transition. Yeah. I was church planting. We had a church over in East Tulsa. We started it, and I got called by my buddy Matt Nelson, who's going to speak uh, next week. He's an influencer <laughs> in my life. And he said, hey, uh, I got a little pastor's group we're putting together with this guy named Brad Sprague. And I thought, well, his name's Brad. He's, he's got to be something. So I didn't know you, and so he said, just come to one and then evaluate whether you want to be a part of it. Yeah. 
And so we came, I came, met some of these guys, and I kind of known a, a little bit. Uh, and, of course, those guys now have become my closest friends. Yeah. Um, I never thought that I could have that level of friendship. Uh, but these men, we get together every other week. Most of you are very familiar with these guys that I've hung out with and I just think is so important. But you were the one who brought us together and I think the greatest contribution coming out of that pastor's group wasn't, we're going to talk about what came out of that as far as what, what I learned and how I grew, but it's interesting. Sometimes you go in, you think, well, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to help these pastors. And if nothing else, and I don't even say it that way, I think the most successful thing that came out of that was the relationships. And in that, isn't that a big part of your ministry too now? Well, the, the funny thing, Brad, is that... Um, so I've been doing these coaching groups for a number of years. Most leaders uh, will not join unless they think the content <laughs> is really going to um, help them, inspire them, give them new tools, right. maybe polish their craft. And the amazing thing that happens is it's the relationships and, and the friendships. But, but, then, but then you as leaders are helping solve each other's problems. Right. You're, you're listening and speaking life into your marriages, into your personal mm -hmm. lives. And, uh, but for many, many years, I thought my greatest gift in starting these groups were the tools, the processes, the knowledge yeah. that I'd learned about leadership development. But, but it ends up being the, the relationship part of it. What's interesting, and you don't know this, is um, we have something we call core growth, core purpose. And a big part of that is there's tools and things that help yeah. you to learn the eight core practices, to learn uh, you know, your abilities and gifts and all that. But we do them in a roundtable format. Really? Wow. And so there's, there is a teaching that takes place, but it's about how we learn from one yeah. another. Yeah. And that's exactly what you introduced me to 12 years ago. And I, when I first went into this pastor's cohort with you, is that what we call it, a cohort, I guess, uh, a gathering? Or, yeah. But I, uh, one was I just, I wanted the tools. You, you, you hit it right on. I was like, okay, teach me, give me something, get me to the next level. That's what it was about for me. And when we got in there, I got a little bit uncomfortable because, one, I saw that you said we were going to be learning from each other. And I'd never been in an environment like that. I had always been in a teaching, lecturing environment. Yeah. Never had I been in a relational environment. You introduced me to that, which that was the best thing that happened out of that. You're an amazing facilitator. Yeah. And, but the one thing that I take, took away from that that I want us to hit on today is this. When I went in, I was looking for tools and tips and tricks on um, how to be a better pastor, how to help my church grow. All good things, by the way. I think those are all really good things. But you actually said, no, we're not going to look outward. We're actually going to turn it, and we're going to look inward, and we're going to work on you, and you're going to kind of do self-assessments and discovering kind of who you are. It made me really uncomfortable, and I was like, "That's not, I don't want to do that. I already know who I am. I'm good. I'm fine. I, I, I want to move on. What, what do you got for me? But I decided to stick it out, and it was one of the most transformational things that ever happened in my life. It set the trajectory for this past decade, and I believe wow. launched me not only into calling, but into what will ultimately be my ultimate contribution wow. because of you. Wow. And I, I wanna say that publicly, 
because you are an incredible influencer, not just on me, but so many other pastors. But talk about this for a moment. Of We always want to, we want the tips and tricks and tools, and why is it so important that we look inward, that, we, that it starts with me as a leader, or even just as a person? Well, um, a friend of mine, uh, as we were on this journey of helping leaders, uh, facilitating breakthroughs, um, actually, uh, Dr. Terry Walling, who is one of your coaches. He's going to speak, um, too, here in about. Is he? Yeah, he's Are gonna, you kidding? Yeah, I got Terry. He's going to oh be speaking, Oh, my goodness. Too. Wow. I got an all-star um, lineup coming. Well, uh, you do, and Matt Nelson and Terry Walling. But, uh, but what I discovered is you have to bring who you are to what you do. Oh, wow. Somebody, you need to write that down. Bring who you are to what you do. Brad, um, I was 46 years old. I had run a business, successful business. I'd left that to plant a church. I'd been doing college ministry for seven years in Southern California. And I really didn't know who I was. Mm. I was an approvaholic. Um, in, in, inside, I felt terribly inadequate. So constantly when I, um, at this time, I was serving on staff at Saddleback Church in Mission Viejo, and it's kind of like, why would they ever, why would Rick Warren ever invite me to be? And, and wow. so I constantly felt this inadequacy, and, you know, I'd be around these high-powered leaders, and I'd think, who in the heck am I? What am I doing here? Because I love people. And I loved helping people. I've got a gift of encouragement, a gift of pastoring. But, man, I lived for the approval of others. And I feared that if anyone ever knew how little I had to offer, that um, that would kind of be the end. And I went through this process that, um, that this uh, man, Tom Patterson, so... Um, Terry and Tom Patterson were two of the greatest um, mentors in my life. So it was really interesting between age 45 and 47, and age 46 was when I got fired. <laughs> Wait, you, well, got, you, know, you got fired by Rick Warren? Well, no, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Let me just say, re I resigned. And, that you know, sounds way better to say you got fired by Rick Warren. That's so great. No, I, I mean, I did not get fired okay. by Rick Warren, okay? <laughs> Look at you. That, you were, I want to that, make that, that <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, is this what you do to all your guests? Yeah. I mean, just kind of unzip them and just, uh, yeah, uh, tell us. Well, so, so the reason was that I was not a fit. Mm. And by that, they needed somebody that could build the organization, that could build structure, because there were so many high school students, and I was a young adult pastor, and I wasn't wired that way. But I had gone through this process called the life plan, and from my story discovered that I am wired to work with individuals mm. and small groups. Mm -hmm. But my dream had always been to be a platform speaker, a motivate, motivator, uh, a developer of a large sending organization. Oh, wow. And what I discovered is you can have the greatest aspirations and longings and commitment, 
But if you're doing something that's out of alignment with how God has uniquely shaped you and designed you, you'll fail. And so anyway, that's what I say. At 46, I really didn't know who I was, how I was wired. Really, I wasn't that clear on God's calling in my life. So that's what started this whole journey and um, of helping leaders clarify what is God's calling in your life. Because mm-hmm. calling's dynamic. It does change over time. Um, and then what is your unique contribution, your natural abilities, your passions for people and causes, mm-hmm. and then the energizing interests that make work or ministry, whatever you're doing, uh, energizing, and you love to do it. Now, when you talk about calling, I want to back up to calling for a second because I think in church world, in church culture, when we hear the word calling, people think, oh, I'm somebody's called to be a pastor, somebody's mm-hmm. called to be a missionary, but mm-hmm. everybody's called. Can you speak to that? Well, Ephesians 4.1 says that, you know, live worthy of God's calling. So everyone is called. Uh, so there are two aspects of calling. Now, we usually, when, when we talk about calling, yeah, I'm, I've called to be, um, uh, you know, a, a mom at home with my kids right now. I'm called to be a business person. I'm called to be a teacher, a nurse, a pastor, a missionary, whatever it is. That's the second aspect of calling. So the first aspect, and we find this in the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. So the first part of calling is being. We were first of all called into relationship with God and relationship with people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, really I help leaders clarify who's the person, God, you want me to be in relationship to you? And who is that person you want me to be in relationship to others? So that's part of what I call a calling statement. Oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe um, how beautiful those calling statements that leaders. But then the second is, what is the work you've gifted and prepared me to do? Right. With who and where? Mm-hmm. So then we get into the work. But if we mix up our first order call yeah. and put our second order call above that, yeah. we, um, we burn out. Um, we lose heart and the fruit doesn't last because we know from John 15 that it's only abiding in Jesus Mm. and through pruning that we bear much fruit, the fruit that glorifies God. So when you're talking about this, what I love when you talk about calling is during core purpose, we talk about that very thing, that there is a primary purpose and a personal purpose. Yeah. Your primary purpose is to take the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus into the world. Everybody has that same one. But you have that personal purpose, what you talk about. Yeah. There's something in me. And so you you really had me begin to wrestle with who I was, but it really helped me to understand why there were some things that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then you really awakened me to, the, to these things that um, I've, you used the, the word you gave me that I've held on to. I mean, gosh, 12 years now. It was the word advocate. You said, Brad, you're an advocate. And you yeah. put that, you put language to that for me yeah. personally. Yeah. But it really helped me understand in every area of my life why I fight for the vulnerable, why I yes. fight for those yeah. that are, where I, when I see injustice, why I rise up and I'm, I'm angered by that. And it's so important that you, if you don't understand that about yourself, you just kind of wander. 
Well, so you have to know what are you naturally good at and you enjoy doing. That's natural abilities. We're born with those. Mm -hmm. And actually, I've never worked with a leader that those natural abilities were not emerging even before the age of 12. Hmm. It's just we don't know. We don't know what the clues are in our story. So I help people in understanding those. But you're, so you have a natural ability of promoting, obviously, of communicating. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't remember all your natural abilities, probably connecting. But, um, but then the next question is, where do I take those abilities? Right. And that's passion. Hmm. And passions are deposited in our lives through the most positive and painful experiences in life. Mm-hmm. And I asked you the other day, uh, about this very thing. Hey, where in your story did did this passion to become an advocate begin? Yeah. And I remember exactly what you told me. Yeah. So passions are deposited in our life, natural abilities we're born with, and then our personality is has a lot to do with the kind of work that energizes us most that we're attracted to. So the thing you're so great at that you helped all of us, and when I say all of us, I mean the, the pastor's cohort that yeah. I was in, was really this journey of self-discovery yeah. because um, this is the truth. You are the greatest gift that you'll give to the world. And man, that, that you, who wants to say that I'm the greatest gift the world could ever have? <laughs> I keep trying to persuade my wife, you know. Other people think so. But, but there, uh, there's, you know. there's two ways you can approach that. One is with pride, which is what we see over and over again in culture yeah. and society as I'm the greatest gift, you know. Yeah. Uh, or you can approach it with the attitude of Christ and humility that, wow, no, God has given me this unique gifts and abilities, and that is a gift to the world. In fact, in your neighborhood gathering, turn to somebody and tell them you are a gift. You are a gift, now, one of the things I want you to, to speak to is this <laughs> idea of focus um, okay. and John 15. And you, you have a little diagram, I think, that, that yeah. we can put up. But yeah. talk, talk to us about this idea. How do I, I – I realize you can't do this in just like 10 minutes and you have a full program you take people through. But um, just to help us a little bit yeah. today on how do we get focused. Well, so, again, when, when you begin to discover this is how I believe God wants to use me and um, – how to influence others. Usually that starts out pretty general. And so you're doing different things. Maybe you're volunteering in some ministry, you're taking a role on. But it it starts out and usually people's understanding of the calling, meaning the work God wants them to do, is pretty general. And we may work hard at it, spend a lot of time, but if you looked at the fruit that remained, the fruit of changed lives, it, it probably isn't great. But John 15 gives us some amazing uh, truths about how more and better fruit is produced. Mm-hmm. And the, the key is staying connected um, to the vine, mm-hmm. Jesus. It's abiding. How many times is abiding used? 10, yeah. 12 Abide in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That was a word that God gave us in 2020 as a church. Really? When we went into that pandemic, the word God gave to us as a church was abide. Wow. What should we be doing? We've got to learn to abide. Absolutely. Because 
there just wasn't a whole lot you could do in right. a lot of situations. So, so as you abide and as you begin to get engaged in making a difference in people's lives, you only learn through trial and error, Brad. Um, you, you can't find this one thing right. um, by just studying or uh, asking people what they think. You have to learn by doing And so it starts out general, our sense of calling, but then over time, as we prune, as we learn to say no, so we um, be, can say yes to those things that better fit who we are, mm-hmm. our giftedness, our passions, our personality, our style of leading. I was so nervous about this this morning. Um, 25 minutes, whatever it's going to be, I can facilitate a room of 100 leaders for a whole day. But it's because it's interactive. It's dialogical. It's, it's a give and take. So you have to learn your style of leading yeah. and how, whether God uses you up front or alongside or both. And so as you learn those things by doing it, you learn where your fit is. Mm-hmm. And, and over time, and I think I said to you, it may be typically 30 years toward this convergence Ouch. where um, general... <laughs> we just be- lost everybody when you said general, that. <laughs> well, general becomes, um, you know, uh, more specific yeah. and then focused to just a few things. Yeah. And this is what Dr. Robert Clinton um, taught Terry and I was the power of a focused life. And as a leader goes on this journey, and it is filled with, I guess, what we'd call successes and failures. And um, one of my greatest messages, Brad, is my greatest pain has been wrapped around God's greatest gifts. Mm. Wow, that is so... None of us... My greatest pain is wrapped around... God's greatest gift. Unwrap that a little bit. Well, everything I'm doing today was because I I failed at being the leader that was needed at Saddleback. Yeah. But the reason I failed is because I wasn't gifted in that way. I wasn't... yeah, and, and but let's, then, hang on. Let's let's stop right just real quick here. I don't want us to lose track of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk. Can you hit on failure for just a moment? Because yeah, um, I think by the world standard, that that's failure. And I do believe in failure. I do believe that we we fail. But um, what is success? What because I you can look back at your time at Saddleback and go complete miserable failure, oh, or you can look all. back on it and go. Where was the success? And you and I were talking about kind of what a definition of success looks like. Well, sometimes God has you in a job, in in a place, in a ministry, whatever, and it's because of what's going to happen in that period of time. Maybe not so much what you're going to bring to it. Mm. And that's what was happening. I was in a time of transition. I thought I was going to be there for a long time, but really it was about the changes God wanted to bring to me. But Brad, what, what I've realized is that our failures, mistakes, our brokenness often is the greatest way in which God brings healing and hope to others. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I failed at planting a church. I told you about that this morning. And yet 
God would use the fact that I failed at really planting a successful multiplying church. Later, that failure would allow me to work with pastors like you, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds. I've worked with hundreds of pastors. Yeah. When I went into the missions organization I'm part of now, the president said, Brad, I don't want to know about your successes. I want to know about your failures because that's what qualifies you for ministry. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and now, you're like, well, I've got a great resume then. I'm fully qualified. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. But you know, I mean, if you listen to people that are wise, that that have had great impact, there are always failures, mm-hmm. always. But here's the thing, you know, John Maxwell, I, I love these words, fail forward. Yeah. You know, get up because you haven't failed unless you stay down. Get up, learn, and then move on with what you've learned. So, um, Everything I'm doing today came out of the greatest heartache, which was not being able to continue on mm-hmm. at Saddleback. But everything I'm doing today yeah. happened because of that. Right. How can you say that's failure? Right. That was God's pruning. You know, sometimes I like to put it this way. Other people get to God's will for our life before we do. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we'd like to be able to say, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to. But sometimes, sometimes other people could see God's will for our lives yeah. before we do, if you, if you hear what I'm saying. So um, I don't want to. Let's talk about pruning. pruning. Okay. John 15, Jesus says, yeah. he prunes those he loves so that we can bear fruit. What does is, what is pruning look like in this kind of idea of, be, of becoming focused in your life? How is Jesus pruning? pruning us so let me let me start by turning that question back to you like no, i'm interviewing you You're terry right. terry does so well so you've pruned plants haven't you oh you yeah prune trees so what do you prune yeah what's, what do you prune yeah off those plants? Well, what's dead what's, that's dead what's okay. dead and what's going to or what is dying that's going to take okay. away from the life of what ultimately needs to happen and do you plant. prune anything else on that plant besides the dead well i i, I mean i've prune back the branches and yeah yeah Yeah. you actually prune not just the dead but the live now some uh, in in fruit bearing trees shrubs are suckers yeah so suckers are those the green that is not producing fruit so you got to take out so what does that look like what are the activities in my life that are not contributing to producing fruit that glorifies God and mm. that lasts. So that's part of, so sometimes you have to cut away those things that aren't bad or dead, mm-hmm. but they're just not the most important thing. If you're going to become the person God intended wow. and do the work that he's called you to so, do. So Wait, so do you think, because we always, I've, I'm always thinking in terms of um, Jesus prunes my life. He prunes those things in me. But is there all, you kind of alluded to this idea of self-pruning. Oh, that, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, that God, would you say it this way, that God reveals things and he says, you're going to let me prune that. You're going to let me take that out. And it's up to us to allow him to prune it back or, or to say no. Well, I, I actually think that, that sometimes God will prune things out of our life. I mean, we are forced to get rid of something. Yeah. 
But I think, Brad, that most of this, I, I think as we grow um, as people, uh, as we develop in maturity, God says, hey, you do it. You, you know what love means mm. or looks like. You know what obedience is. Um, you don't have to wait for circumstances to absolutely beat the tar out of you. No, take the pruning shears yourself wow. and say no and prune out those things. Why? Yeah. Now, it's painful. Does it, I mean, I don't hear plants when I prune them cry out, but it hurts, yeah. okay, to prune the live stuff. And sometimes the stuff that is dead that wow. we wish could prune, come back to life. Prune the live stuff. Because we always think about the dead stuff, and that's yeah. not producing yeah. fruit. But that thing that there's maybe – so are you saying – we only got a couple minutes here, but uh, I'm fascinated by this one thought here. Are you saying there are some things that are actually may look good, they seem to be producing, and, and God's saying, I want you to – cut that because I need you to exponentially move here into your calling and contribution. I think, I think the reality is a lot of times good is the enemy of the best. Mm. And so, you know, and, and that's where, you know, as, as a believer, as a family in our marriage, I mean, Marty and I have decided to do some things, especially about media, that I would never put onto anyone else. But we do it because of we prune those things out because, one, we, we, we want our mind and heart to be guarded mm. by the peace of Jesus. Mm. And, second, we want to use some of that time for other things. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I think the, the live is probably as or more, well, it's just as significant as the dead would. Mm. And I think... It's up to us to take the shears and prune the things out. Well, that, that sets us up perfectly for where we're headed because we're going to move into a time of communion here. Good. And I think Good. there is a, a pruning that maybe God's wanting to do in your life, in my life. Would, would, you, would you just pray over us as we prepare for communion? Yeah. Well, God, um, wow, you're such a, um, a great father. You're... You're the shepherd, you're the gardener, you're the, um, the one that um, loves us so deeply. And you said, herein is my Father glorified. Jesus, you said this, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so learn to be my disciples. Jesus, today, um, and in, maybe in the week to come, would you show us anything in our lives that's keeping us from living the life, God, you intended? Um, activities, um, habits, um, maybe some relationships. But, Lord, it's to please you. It's to obey you. And, and um, in doing that, in loving and obeying you, Jesus, the fruit comes. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to strain to produce it. The fruit comes from abiding um, in Jesus. So, Lord, as we remember um, your broken body and the blood you shed for us, just um, let this be life-giving and um, just a greater revelation of your love.
in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you, my friend.